You guys ready to continue in Proverbs? Um, I, I made a mistake. I just looked down at my, at my notes and I said there was 575 individual Proverbs from chapter 10 to chapter 22, but it's actually 375. So a little less. I was off by 200. But e- either way, there's a lot of different subjects that can be covered. And so my strategy tonight was I looked at chapter 10 and there was 12 different Proverbs having to do with our tongue, with our lips and how we talk and how we speak. So instead of going through chapter 10 and covering all the different verses and all the different subjects surrounding the tongue, we're just going to talk about the power of our words. We're gonna, that's, that's, that's the title. If you have the notes, that's what I, I titled it, The Power of Our Words. And so the book of Proverbs deals with that. So we're going to look at all the different areas that the book of Proverbs deals with the issue of our words. Um, you know, we talk approximately, studies have shown that, that uh, the average human being says over 700 words a day. Do you, do you think you, you say 700 words a day? You think that's a large amount? Think, you know, may, maybe let's cut, that in, let's cut that in half, so maybe say 350 words. You think that's about good for some people? Higher than 700? Well, basically, basically, if you say 700 words in a day, that's the, that's the biggest thing you do all day, right? That's the, the, the thing that we do the most all day is talk. We like to talk. We, God, what's unique about us in comparison to all of the other creatures out there is that we talk. God talks and God created with words and he made us in his image. And so it's what sets us apart amongst all of creation is that we speak with words. We use words to communicate. And who's ever heard that famous phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Is that true? Well, it is partly true, right? Sticks and stones may break your bones. <laughs> it's a half truth. I mean, but the second half of, of the quote is not true, which is that words do hurt and words are powerful. And so when you study the book of Proverbs, when you study into the New Testament, we're going to read a portion of, from the book of James chapter 3. And so anywhere you study in the Bible having to do with words, we get the picture that words are powerful and words have meaning and words have impact. And so words are important in the way we communicate, the way we talk, how we talk. How many of you know you can say something to somebody and your body language you know, how you say it, the way your face looks, all of that, you can be intending something in your heart to say it a certain way, but you can miscommunicate and they can misunderstand you because you don't communicate it correctly. How many of you uh, have put your foot in your mouth in your life at any time or another? I mean, I, mean, I think the one way that, that we all sin the most is with our words. And it's really not a subject that we talk about very much. We talk about the, what, would be, what most people would consider the ugly sins, the sins that uh, most people categorize as the really bad sins. But I think because we do talking more than anything we do in our life, I think words are the way we sin the most in our life on a regular basis because words are a reflection of our hearts. And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth 
speaks. And so when we speak, we are expressing what is inside of our heart. We are expressing who, uh, our, our expressions demonstrate who the ruler of our life is. And so if we're the king of our own life and we're the Lord of our own life, then we will speak in ways that, 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 that are self-centered, that are egotistical. But if the Lord is the Lord of our life and Jesus is the Lord of our life, then, then we, may, we, we obviously don't perfectly communicate in ways that, that honor Christ, but that is the consistent pattern of our life, that out of our heart comes words that honor Christ. But this is a consistent problem. This is a problem, this will be a problem that we face for the rest of our life. As long as we can talk, we need to always understand that our words are powerful. Um, this is a quote by a theologian named Raymond Ortland Jr. It says this, The fact that we speak at all is an obvious sign that God made us. God uses words. Animals do not. You might be able to teach a dolphin to say a few words, but you can't get a little child to shut up. Words mark us as human in the image of God. Like God, we use words to create trust and form relationships and build community. But unlike God, we use words to destroy trust and break relationships and community. Like God, we use words for one heart to touch another heart at a deep level. But unlike God, we use words for one heart to break another heart at a deep level. So I think that kind of sums up the power of our words. We have power for good with our words. But we have immense power for evil with our words. And so this is what I want to do. We want to look at, I think, three categories for our words. Three ways to kind of, for us to understand what our words are. So the first one is this, is that our words can be sinful. Our words can be sinful. And so I kind of wrote down a, a list of ways that our words can be sinful. We can walk in anger, hatred, with our words, cursing, lying, slander, gossip, immoral talk. And the list could go on and on in ways that we sin with our words, in ways that, we, that our words can, can be sinful. When we lash out in anger, when, we, when, 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 we, when we're filled with hatred and we, we say words to hurt someone, whenever we curse and we, 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 we curse God or we say curse words that are offensive, when we lie, when we don't tell the whole truth, some people feel like, well, well, shades of the truth are okay. I'll just say a portion of the truth. Well, if it's not the whole truth, then it's not the truth at all. And so when, when we lie, when, when we slander, when we say things against somebody for the intention of defaming their character, that's slander. That's sinful to slander someone's character. When we gossip, whenever we are around people and somebody comes and they, and they say, look, I got something to tell you about so-and-so. And what, what happens when that happens? Our ears perk up and we say, please tell me. It's sinful. Whenever we speak in immoral ways with our words, it's sinful. And so these are, these are some of the negative ways that we sin with our words. Our words can be sinful. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 gives us this picture, shows us this vividly. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. It's an interesting part of that verse right there. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Wow. I mean, that just blows my mind. I read that so many times in my life, and it just, 
We stumble in many ways. We sin in many ways. But if you're able to not sin with your tongue, the Bible says you're perfect. And so you know what that tells me? Is that it is impossible for you not to sin with your tongue. You are going to sin with your tongue for the rest of your life. And because of that reality, then we have to think about the way we talk. (laughs) Because when we sin with our tongue, the repercussions are deadly sometimes. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Isn't that a great picture of what we do with our words? One little small word. And if you're, if you're in a marriage for any length of time, or in a relationship with anyone for any length of time, but specifically a marriage, who you're connected with somebody in a very intimate level, and they know you from the inside out, it, it can be not even a word. It can be, you, you can communicate with a look, and it can cut deep. You cannot say something and communicate something, and it can hurt, right? And how much more when we say it? How much more do we hurt our spouse when we say what we think? I remember a few Wednesdays back, Pastor Nate was told we were talking, we were obviously on talking about wisdom, and I, I said something up front that, that we shouldn't always say what we think. How many times do we sin with our words because we are saying what we think? Not everything you think should be, should be formulated into words that come off your lips. Because how many times what, is what you think not lining up with what God thinks? And so we express what we think, and it hurts and it cuts. But such a small little thing can set a whole forest ablaze. And this, we have this big old mess because of our tongue. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Wow. Setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, my my brothers and my sisters, these things ought not to be so. These things ought, we should not, we're all in agreement, right? Brothers, sisters, this should not be so. We should not sin with our words. And in particular and specifically, we should not sin with our words against each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. When we sin with our words against each other, it is a poor reflection of the love that we have been given in Jesus Christ. And because we've both been given, as brothers and sisters in Christ, a love that we don't deserve, when we sin against each other with our words, we are discounting what God has done in each other's life and and saying that that unity in Christ means nothing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Proverbs Chapter 12, 22. Now we're going to deal with two specific areas in this first point about our words being sinful. We're going to deal with the issue of lying 
and the issue of, of gossip and, and slander. So the first area, lying, Proverbs 12, 22, says this, says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says this, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. You know, I believe the connection there in verse 19, the fact that a false witness who breathes out lies is connected with one who sows discord is because that's where discord is sown, is whenever we speak with lies, whenever we speak in gossip and slander founded upon lies, this is what sows discord among the body of Christ. Why is lying such a big deal to God? Why is lying such a big deal? It says in Proverbs 12, 22, that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That means when he looks at it, as it says in Proverbs 6, he hates it. To say that God hates something is a big deal. He gives us a list of seven things that he hates, and you, we, we, we would make a list a lot longer than seven, right? Of things that we would say that God hates. But in his list of seven things that he hates, he mentions twice lying lips and someone that bears false witness. God hates lies. Why is it that God hates lying so much? I believe it's because God is truth. God is truth. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. And when, and when we look at Jesus, when we look at who Jesus is, Jesus cannot help but be truthful. Because he is truth. He cannot lie. He is not like man. He cannot lie. And so this is why God hates lying. Because it is contrary to his nature. And so when we as believers who bear the name of Jesus. And we have made Jesus the Lord of our life. When we walk in untruth. And we lie. And we don't speak the truth. Then we are walking contrary to who God is in our life. And actually when we lie. As believers, we're acting like the devil. The Bible says in John 8, that Satan is the father of lies. The foundation of where lies began is with Satan. And so Satan, if he's a father of lies, if God is our father and Jesus our Lord, lying should not be normal to us. If God is our father who is perfect truth, Jesus our Lord the embodiment of truth, then lying and speaking things that are not true should not be normal for us. How many times do we communicate with people and we, maybe for the sake of not hurting them, we say, well, I'm going to walk in wisdom and I'm not, not going to share the whole truth. I'm just going to kind of withhold some things. It's, it's not the truth, right? It's a lie. And so my desire, and I believe that our desires as, as Christians should be that we would be a reflection of our Father who is perfectly truth. That if he lives in our hearts, that we would say, God, help me to be truthful. Help me to look like you in the way that I talk. Help me not to sin with my words by lying. Help me to speak the truth. And help me, God, when, when I have to say something that I believe can bring hurt into someone's life because it's the truth, help me to say it with grace and with peace and in a way that is not offensive. But Lord, may I never, for any reason, say things that are not true. 
God, help us all to do that. Amen? I mean, I, I mean this, is, this is my heart. This is what I feel. I like this. God, help, help me. Help me for, for whatever reason to never yield to the temptation to withhold what is true. I think some people would say, well, a, a bald-faced lie, that, that's, you know, that's something we clearly will say is, is wrong. And I, I believe for most Christians that's something that is easy for us to say no to. But where, where it is for us, where the temptation is for us, is to withhold information. Or to paint a picture that's not completely true. Give some half-truth in there. Lying and not speaking the truth is contrary to who God is. And because God lives on the inside of us, a half-truth, a shade of the truth is not the truth. And these things are not pleasing to God. What's the second area? We talked about gossip and slander. These are ways we can sin with our words. Proverbs 17, 4, and speaking about gossip or slander, it says, an evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. You know, the Bible calls somebody who, who has a mischievous tongue and who's spreading gossip, it says that they have wicked lips. Gossip is wicked. It's wicked. Slander is wicked. And I believe it's even more wicked when it's among brothers and sisters in Christ. Whenever we gossip and slander against those that we have unity centered around Christ, our, our lips become wicked and mischievous whenever we give them over to gossip and slander. Proverbs 18.8 says this about gossip. It says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Isn't that such a great picture of gossip? How many times does somebody come and communicate to you and they come up and they, and they whisper, hey, come here, listen, listen. Shut, can you shut the door real quick? Somebody might be coming down the hallway. Let's shut the door because we don't want anybody to hear that we're gossiping. So let's shut the door. And we whisper some little sweet little morsel. Like Proverbs calls it a morsel. It's like, you know, I think about the Chronicles, the Chronicles of Narnia. You guys ever saw that? That, 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 that movie, that, 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 the movie that was made from the C.S. Lewis books? And the, the queen, the white witch, she has the Turkish delights. And she's got the young man. What's the, what's the, what's the young man's name? Edmund? Is it Edmund? And Edmund, he's just so foolish. He's so young and naive. And the white witch says, just take and eat. Just, just eat this. Just eat this. It's not going to hurt. It's like a... It's like a it's like a delicacy, a little morsel of something that would be good to eat. This is the picture the Bible gives about gossip. Somebody, somebody says, hey, come and listen. I have something sweet and delicious for you to partake in. And why do we think gossip is sweet and delicious? I believe it's because when we hear something negative about somebody else, when we hear something bad about someone else's character, when we hear something about someone's life and a failure that they've walked in, it makes us feel better about our weaknesses. And we feel like when we hear something that's really bad about someone's life, well, I mean, I compare myself, ooh, I'm not that bad <laughs> compared to them. So anytime you have any other gossip, tell me about them, just come and, come and tell me because it really it soothes my guilty conscience about the areas that I struggle in. That's why we love it. We love that. We do. I, all of us, we do. We are all guilty of loving the delicacy of gossip. We, we, we all do it on a regular basis. And God's word says that an evildoer listens to wicked lips. Man, Lord, help, help us, Lord. And a liar, a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. We love gossip. There's a tendency we all have in our sinful humanity to relish 
hearing negative things about other people. It can make us feel better about ourselves and our own weaknesses. Our words can bring great harm and hurt into the lives of others. We can, with one simple conversation, break the spirit of those we're talking to. Our words have the power to cause others to be discouraged, fearful, depressed, and angry. Our words can make someone feel like they are not good enough, strong enough, or capable. We can make someone feel like they're not beautiful, attractive, or wanted. Our words can be like dynamite. They can explode into someone's life with powerful, devastating results. Our words are powerful. They, they can be an extremely powerful force for evil when we sin with our words. How many of you, I, I believe if I passed around the microphone and I said, I want all of you to think back to your childhood. Think back to how you were raised. Think back to moments in your life when your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your grandpa said something to you that was hurtful and sinful and hateful and rude and mean. And we would, we would pass the mic around. You would start talking. We would run out of Kleenexes, wouldn't we? Because the hurts that go deep down, even words that were said decades ago, a word, a sentence, could be said decades ago and there's still a a wound in your heart. That's how powerful words of hate and evil and anger and jealousy and gossip and slander can be. It can wound us very deeply. I remember when I was young. I remember I was 12 or 13. I remember sitting at my grandpa's house and my, my uncle was there with me and they put a, there was a commercial came on TV and it was a Feed the Children commercial and they, they showed a lot of starving children on the screen like they typically do and, and they're just starving and you just see skin and bones and I, I remember my uncle turned and looked at me and said, hey Ben, you could be on, you, you could be on the TV. And of course my grandpa laughs and all I could do was laugh because, I mean, what else do you do? You just, just go with it, whatever. And, I mean, it really hurt. And I remembered that conversation. I remember, I, I mean, I remember it to this day. I'll never forget the moment. I'll never forget where, I, me- I remember the scene. I remember how it felt to just begin to slowly feel insecure about my skinniness, about being small. And so I believe the opposite is true. Those those, those, those people who maybe have struggled with their weight on the other side, that you can remember somebody saying something about that when you were young. And so for the rest of my life, for years, it has always been an issue with me that's feeling insecure about skinny arms, skinny legs, you know, going, going to the beach. I don't wear shorts very often, and so I wore some shorts today to church and uh, to the office, and, and I was like, well, here we go, my skinny white legs. I hope I don't scare anybody away. I'm a lot better. God, God's helped me with all of that. But for years, it was a very intense struggle in my life about being skinny. But it, it was intensified. And I believe it really began in a strong way when I was 12, 13 years old. And if you can imagine, I was skinnier back then. You can imagine that. But um, that's how powerful words are. And, and that's mild. Some of you here tonight... It's, it's offensive for me to tell you that because what you've heard, the things that you have heard said to you when you were 12, 13 years old, that's mild in comparison. 
and, and you've never heard you're sorry. You've, you've never heard somebody come and say, I'm sorry for saying that. I'm sorry for wounding you. I'm sorry for hurting you with my words. That is the power of our words. Our words can be so sinful and so hateful and can hurt so much. You ready for the good news? You guys all convicted and ready to quit talking for a while? <laughs> that's how I feel when I was studying this. Like, Lord, I'm just going to quit talking. Uh, I, that's, that's the, uh, Lord, I know you call me to preach. I'll just preach. But other than that, I'm going to stop talking. Because when I talk, I just mess up. I do. I get mad at my kids and I yell at them. Pastor Ben yells at his kids coming back from vacation. I did it. Well, to vacation and coming back. I'm mean to my wife with my words. I say things at church that I shouldn't say. I just, I just, let's just stop talking, right? We'd all be better. But the good news is, as powerful for a force for evil, our words can be. The good news is, is number two, that our words can bring he- healing. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, says death, and I have it, a lot bolder than Chuck put it there, life. I have it in huge caps on my page there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Just as easily as we can bring death with our words, we can bring life and healing. Listen to this scripture. Proverbs twelve eighteen says this. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust. Isn't that what we were talking about? When we're evil with our words, it's like somebody's stabbing you with a sword and they're twisting it in your soul. But the tongue of the wise, someone who's not rash, their words bring healing. With one simple word or conversation, we can bring healing and hope into someone's life. The hurt and pain that may have been accumulated through years of abusive words can be healed in a moment with words of love and care. Uh, I went, when, I, when I wrote this, when I was thinking that, and I wrote that down, uh, I just was feel, filled with just examples of, of how, how, how that would look like. And just my heart was overwhelmed with that. Just thinking about a person that, that you come in contact with and you can just see it on their life, the oppression and the weightiness of years of abusive words and things that have been said over their life. And somebody looked at them and smiles and says, I love you. Someone looks at him and smiles and says, you are wanted, you are needed, you are valuable, you are beautiful, you are perfect just like you are. And it's like years and years of abuse and hurt and anger just starts falling off. I mean, how beautiful is that? Like, this is where I want to stay. This is where I want to live. I want to be a conduit for words of healing to come through my mouth. I don't want to ever again be a, a, a vessel that the enemy uses to speak words of death and pain and hurt because of the opposite power of our words. I never want to do the evil because of the potential for such good that can come. We can, we can, we can build people up in so many ways. I think about my children, you know, it, it takes one moment for me to look at my son or my daughter when they're doing something and they're wanting me to look at them and, and, and I watch them I, I, and I just say one word, good job, two words, good job. Or, 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 or you, you are so good at that. Just a simple phrase. And, and they, they, they walk 10 feet taller and they feel so proud that their dad or their mom is affirming them. 
It's the, the, the power we have with our words for good is so enormous. Proverbs 12, 25 says this. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Somebody, you know, just so anxious with life. Weighed down because of years and years of, of words that have been spoken over that person. But a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. The evil is dispelled in a moment by a good word. A word of truth. We have the ability with our words to help others walk into the plans that God has called them to. Words of affirmation cause people to rise up to new levels of effectiveness. Not only can our words bring healing to somebody who's been told they're not good enough, not beautiful enough, and they, and, and, and they feel... They feel terrible about about themselves, but our words can bring affirmation to who God has called you to be. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was going through a very difficult season of my life. I was 19 years old, and when I was in Bible college, um, uh, it was a a two-year school, and I basically, because of family situations I was going through at that time, I basically kind of flunked out of the school. I just really couldn't focus on my schoolwork and couldn't really get my schoolwork done. I just was having a hard time. And so the professor of the school, uh, I mean, the dean of the school said, look, Ben, you can just spend the rest, the last six months of the year, just, just come to school. Just hang out with the people, sit in the classes. Don't worry about your grades. I'm just going to let you come and stay here. And I remember one professor, he was probably one of the smartest men I knew at that time in my life. His name was Dr. Pat Hayes, and he actually did an incredible study on the book of Proverbs and on the Song of Solomon, and, and he was just a really vibrant man. And I, I looked up to him, and I thought he was just brilliant and smart, and, and I remember one time he came to me. This is before the dean said I could not have to worry about grades, and, and I was missing his class, and I was not doing good work in, in his class, and he came up to me after class one time, and he, he pulled me aside, and he said, are you called to preach? I said, yeah. He said, well, I don't think so. And I said, why? He said, because you don't do, because you're not coming to my class and you're not making good grades. I said, okay. <laughs> and I just felt terrible, like, oh, wow. You know, and, and what he was trying to do was, he was trying to say, look, do you feel called into ministry? Then what are you doing? Like, come on, come to class, be diligent, study. And I remember I just felt terrible in that season. I felt like I just felt terrible. And I remember after all of that happened, and I had to go and tell him that I was dropping his class and tell him what the dean had said. And the dean had already talked to Dr. Pat, so he knew what was happening. And so I went and talked to him, and I said, I need to officially drop. And he says, I want to talk to you after class. And so he pulled me aside. He said, do you remember the conversation we had a while back? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do. He said, well, I had a dream about you last night. And he said, he said, in, in my dream, he said, I saw you preaching and I saw you pastoring. He said, and I just want you to know, he said, that you are called to preach. And I mean, I felt like just the weight of the world was off my shoulders. It was like in one moment, words of affirmation just took away every doubt Every fear, every worry, every, every concern about the future. 
And I knew, and I could say, and, I, and I've always said, back to that moment, to that time, to that season, 18, 19 years old, I knew from that moment on in my life that I was going to preach. I was going to pastor. This is what God had called me to do. One simple word of affirmation God can use. And this is what we have been given the ability to do, to look at someone's life and to see the potential to see the good that God has called them to do. Look at someone's gifting and say, God wants to use you in that area. And to, to help mentor people, to, to raise them up in what God has called them to do. This is what words of affirmation can do in people's lives. Our words have such potential for healing, Amen. for hope. Yes, Brother Mike. Amen. Amen. It's a word fitly, fitly spoken at the, at the right time. Amen. And, that, and that, that's what God, Brother Mike walks in this. Just going to talk about Brother Mike for, for a second. What, what, a, what an awesome brother. And I, I know you don't want me to do this, but I'm just going to affirm you for a second. Brother Mike is an awesome brother, so faithful. He's one of the founding members here. He will encourage you. All the time. He'll come up to you, hug your neck. He'll pray for you. He'll give you words of affirmation. Men that come that I know get, he gets haircuts from, they have church when they go get haircuts. Because Brother Mike's going to preach the word to them. And he's going he's gonna to talk about how awesome Jesus is. He's going to make your day feel better. So, Brother Mike, you, you have a gift to put words, to, to have words fit for the moment, for the right time. Amen? And that's so powerful. That, that came out of his heart because that's who he is. Words fitly spoken. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Amen? So our words can be sinful, (laughs) deadly sinful, can hurt, but our words can be instruments for good and healing. God, I pray that we would speak words that fit the occasion that will give grace to those who hear amen and lastly god's words bring salvation and sanctification first peter chapter 1 23 through 25 says this since you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of god for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord remains forever and this word god's words is the good news that was preached to you so our words can be sinful and can hurt and bring pain and our words can also bring life and can bring healing but god's words are perfect and they remain forever and they last and endure forever and it's god's words preached to us through the gospel that has brought salvation into our life. Through the preaching of the gospel, God's words, we are saved. God uses the preaching of his word to bring us from darkness into light. The spirit of God uses the word of God to put new life in our hearts. And listen to me, this is the hope. This is the hope that we have as concerning our tongue. Without the gospel, we have no hope for our tongue. If the, if the gospel hasn't changed us and we've not been saved, 
then our hope, there's no hope that we will say things that are useful and are good. But because the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to put new life in our hearts, He puts new words in our mouths. You, you got that quote there, Chuck? Is it, is it in your notes? The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to put new life in our hearts. And because of salvation, He puts new words in our mouth. What happened on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit descended upon the, the first disciples of the early church. The first thing the Holy Spirit did was got a hold of their tongue. One of the greatest evidences of a spirit-filled believer is that they have a tongue that's used for good and to build others up. You people can talk about the different things they do that's motivated by the Holy Spirit and good things done by the Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, one of the greatest evidences of the Spirit-filled Christian is that their words are filled with grace. And their words are filled with truth. And their words are filled with love. And their words are filled with peace and encouragement and affirmation. Why is that? It's because the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of their life. And it's because they've been changed. And this issue of our, of our sinful tongue that we aren't going to be free from until we are in heaven. This is the p- part of sanctification that, that we're in. This is the process. We've been saved And God is helping us to mature in Christ in the way that we talk. And he uses his word to do that. He uses his word to do that in our life. God's word endures forever. If we keep listening to God's word, it will continually renew our minds. It will go deeper and deeper into our hearts. And our words will spread new life to many people with eternal impact. This is what happens when a life is surrendered to Christ. Now there's potential for eternal impact with our words. Not only can we encourage others and build each other's and build each other up and speak words of peace and life and hope, but now God has our tongue. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, and now we can preach the gospel, and our words can have eternal impact. God can actually use my tongue to declare the truth of the gospel, and someone can get saved. And the same is true for you. God can use your tongue to speak the truth of the gospel and others can be saved. That's the power of a saved and a sanctified life. Amen? So our words can be extremely hurtful and, and painful and can cause lots of hurt and can, can be sinful. But our words can be incredibly helpful and hopeful and can bring healing and affirmation. So I just want to in, in, in encourage you that... There's hope for us with our tongue. We're not, we're, not, we're not just without hope in this area. We can grow. You can get better. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Word of God in your life, as you allow the Word of God to renew your mind, you can get better with your tongue. We should grow with our tongue. And this is an area that you struggle with and you find yourself susceptible to gossip. You find yourself tempted to lie. You find yourself tempted to walk in ways that are sinful with your words. Say, God, just surrender. Say, God, I'm sorry. I admit it. I'm wrong. I'm sorry, God. I want you to have my tongue, have control of my tongue so I can be a force for good and a force for the gospel with my mouth. Amen? Amen. Well, last time I preached on a Wednesday night, which was the last time I preached, I preached an hour and six minutes. Did you guys know that? I, was, I, felt, 
Again, I want to apologize for that. <laughs> it was terrible. I got bored. So t- t- tonight I told myself I was going to end at 8.20. So my clock says 8.20. So you guys, I'm done. And now another reason is I got to get up at 2 in the morning. So <laughs> I'm going out there. So you guys, be, you guys be blessed. Amen.